my name is Justin McClure, and I'm here today with Will Sloan. And you're listening to The Important Cinema Club, and we're doing the best of 2023 episode. Annually, our most popular episode. And we should always say what we do at the beginning of all of these, of the movies that we watch. Well, that's right. Do this we have any authority to make a best of if we haven't watched everything? Um, yes. Yeah, sure. sure. I mean, I uh, doesn't matter. Doesn't no. matter. Also, this episode is coming about a month and a half after every other list dropped. Mm-hmm. This is the way it works now. People drop their lists at the end of November. I was looking at lists, yeah, and I couldn't believe how early it was, to which I say, why? <laughs> like, what are you doing? They People want to be ahead, you mm. know? Ahead of who? Ahead of other people. But why? We've let these opinions <laughs> marinate. That's, oh, yeah. that's, how he, that's our qualification. This very structured list that I looked at and went, uh, do I have enough movies I want to recommend? <laughs> this is a very serious list. Yes. Now, the good and the bad thing about a list like this is it's a snapshot in time. Mm. I don't know what on this list is going to resonate with me 10 years from now. Oh, so I lo- when I was making my list, one of the things I told myself was, would I watch this film again? Interesting. And if I did, I was like, all right, I will add it to this list. I've said before, like, I want top 10 lists to be things I want to recommend to people. Not this year. This year is just movies I liked. I wouldn't necessarily say, I can't predict whether I would watch all of these again. Mm. I would say this is a recommendation list. Also, we're dealing with the year we've been given. Mm. Some of these are all timers. Some of them might not be all timers, but they're all movies I like, all movies I'm comfortable recommending. Yeah, so let's start. Sound of Freedom, right? (laughs) (laughs) You know, it just shone a light on a really important issue. All right, what's your first? This is in no order. I'm only saying what's your first, as in what's the first on the list? This is in no order except for this one which is in a walk my movie of the year it's martin scorsese's killers of the flower Moon. easy movie of the year no contest and i think this is a very insightful film about how evil actually works mm. you know there are the ideologues the visionaries of evil you know the robert de niro character the real mover and then there are people like the leonardo dicaprio character who rationalize and compartmentalize and are just following orders and the fact that he can knowingly poison his wife throughout the whole second half of the movie while also thinking he's a good husband is the sort of central mystery of the film and its central insight about how we operated the world. Yeah, I will say that, you know, it's a little tough to believe in. Wait, what's going on in the rest of the world? It's like, oh boy, or has gone on since humankind has existed. I mean, it's always, what this movie is saying is always relevant, but it's especially relevant right now. And individually, we all have very little power in the world. And we can we can tell that to ourselves as well to sort of absolve ourselves of any responsibility. Like there's that great scene towards the end of this movie where De Niro, when he's trying to get Leo to sign that contract, he's like, look, look, your wife, she's she's going. OK, yeah. so what can you do to help her? Exactly. Yeah. And it's like we all we can all rationalize things to ourselves by just saying, well, we don't have any power. This is the term set out for us. And within that system, well, you know, hey, we can poison her in slightly more comforting ways, <laughs> even though that, you know, you're, then you're not thinking about the fact that you started poisoning her from the beginning. And she's only in this situation because of what you've done. But now what can we do? Right. It's you know, it's a brilliant film. It's a riveting movie, even at its length and pace. I love it. And so I will recommend from that the funniest film that I saw in 2023. Two movies on this list have technically come out in 2022, but this one, Hundreds of Beavers, even though it says 2022, is still not out in 2023. So if you've seen it, you saw it at a film festival. Now this movie, I believe I've talked about it before. 
it is undoubtedly the most I've laughed in theaters. Just uproariously, can't believe it. It's one that I will return to again and again and again and recommend to as many people as possible. How would you describe this movie? It is the greatest Looney Tunes cartoon ever done in live action. Period. And a little bit Guy Madden-esque. Yeah, definitely Guy Madden. It's like black and white. It has some silent film elements. It's also in that style of the director of Symbol, like kind of like almost Japanese comedy. But the way that it sets out on setting up jokes, paying them off, then using a joke that you already think has passed to just lay the groundwork for a much bigger joke 10 minutes down the line... It is absolutely beautiful. If anybody here has ever seen the Richard Williams film, The Thief and the Cobbler, the infamous animator who worked on this feature film forever, never got it completed. There is a climax at the end of that movie where like something is being destroyed and it's all these like intricate little details. Imagine that in live action at the end of this picture where there's a guy running on a log in like a factory as like beavers are trying to get him. So fun. There's a fight at the end of the movie that's like, and I don't use this lightly, top secret-esque in the way that like the jokes play out. I love this movie. I can't wait for it to be more available. What's your next one, Will? Well, I'll say just in terms of setting up the rules, and I haven't followed this rule most years, but this year I decided let's stick to 2023 theatrical releases. Mm. And that means I'm excluding certain movies that I saw at TIFF that I really liked, including Last Summer by Catherine Bria, Do Not Expect Too Much from the End of the World by Radu Jude, a few other movies I thought were really good. But I am going to include a movie that was theatrically released this year. I may have mentioned it on last year's pod when I didn't have that rule, but I'm including it again because I just really love this movie. The Fablemans. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, I just saw it in the sight and sound atop of I guess it came out in Britain in yeah, like later. January. Yep. Yeah. No, it's Albert Serra's Pacifiction, which is set in French Polynesia. Benoit Majamel, who's yeah, you absolutely great. put this one on your list last year. That's I believe. fine. I'll yeah. say I'll say it again because now people can see it. Mm -hmm. People can actually watch it now. He stars as this colonial middleman. You know, he comes on behalf of the French colonial government, and he's a sort of negotiator for everyone with an interest in the island from the local activists to the French colonizers to the local government, which is a laughable puppet regime. And he goes around nodding and stroking egos and occasionally when he needs to really laying down the law. And he's crucially a liberal colonizer. You know, he's everybody's friend. He wants the best for everybody. But now that there are rumors of nuclear testing going around, you know, the colonizers are going to use this as a testing site again. There is an encroaching sense of doom. The activists are getting very unhappy with him. And there's this sense as the movie goes along. And, you know, he is sculpting in time here. This is a durational film. There's a sense that the center is not going to hold forever in this arrangement. So it's this almost apocalyptic tone that it develops through the course of the movie and yeah it's beautiful i recommend it i love this is a first that the <laughs> in the list the same movie appears two years in a row look you're dealing with the year that you're given <laughs> yeah that's true i want to recommend an anime feature film that came out in 2022 in japan but did not come out till august in north america it is the first slam dunk this is a 
famous manga from the 90s about basketball. And there's been many an anime adaptation of it. But what's special about this anime adaptation is that it is directed by the artist of the manga who had never directed a feature film before. It is so good. One of the best sports movies that I've ever seen. And the way that it does it is it's called the first slam dunk. And the director did say, oh, I want people, even if they don't know slam dunk to be able to watch the movie. It is the last game in the manga of like 30 plus volumes. Doesn't matter. And what it does is the whole movie is this one game with flashbacks of a character who's in the manga, but you've never seen the story about him. So even if you know the comic, it's that much more exciting. It does so much interesting stuff with the kind of way and energy you can portray this while sticking to the author's original kind of visual style, which has always been very difficult to translate to screen. This movie rules. If you have any interest in sports, like in cinema form, you have to watch the first slam dunk. When is it actually coming out? I have no idea. I think the way the Japanese films are distributed in North America may be changing thanks to a little movie that also came out this year and made a big splash. Will that be on your list? It will indeed. Okay, well, we won't preempt it. Let's talk about Boston Johnny. All right. And at the same time, let's do a split because I have on my list, Hurt You Got Murdered. Great. Let's talk about them both. Matt Farley and Charlie Roxburgh. If you know this podcast, you know them. They are the New England-based underground filmmakers, I Mm. guess you could say, directors of such films as Don't Let the River Beast Get You, who make these wonderful homemade movies with their friends and family. And they've been getting a little bit more attention in the last few years and like people really praising their films. The last picture they made... Heard She Got Married was kind of a tour de force and different than anything they've done before. Well, serious. Yeah, that one was more serious than Magic Spot, which Mm. was last year. A beautiful, like quite emotional film in its way. These two movies that we're talking about, Boss and Johnny and Heard She Got Murdered, seem a reaction to people being like, oh, we really like like, like these movies. Yeah. I mean, I I really respect that they have the freedom because they don't have bosses. No, they don't have accountability. They can just they can just because, yeah, we saw her. She got murdered at the Moturn extravaganza. And I remember Matt at the piano afterwards being like, we took our most serious and somber movie and we ruined it with the sequel. (laughs) And he's just laughing. I don't think they ruined it. No, I think that what they did was fascinating, especially in the way that, you know, you can find this on the special feature, which talked about in more detail, but you will want to buy every version of Hurt She Got Murdered on Vimeo, on Blu-ray, <laughs> whatever streaming service it's on, as well as the in-person screenings, which some people are starting to notice, wait, but the in-person screenings were in color, but some reviews say on the Blu-ray it's in black and white. Well, that's what goes into it. It's Every version is different. But you're right that Hurt She Got Murdered is fascinating as an extension of the previous one, because in these last four or five Moturn movies, like certain threads are developing, certain threads about, you know, being an artist in the world. Like, is it is it worth being an amateur artist, all the work that it takes to do amateur art when you're getting nothing in response. But if you're not doing art, like, is that worth living in the world? Like, there's this push-pull in these movies that's happening. You know, being okay with the indifference of the world and then, you know, wanting to uh, go on a massacre because of the indifference of the world. Boston Johnny, the other movie they made this year, probably their silliest movie ever. Yeah, well, Boston Johnny falls into the camp of them looking being like, people like these movies? Okay, let's try to make the most kind of, not annoying, abrasive abrasive character at the center of a movie. And what it ends up being, because of who they are, it is 
instantly charming because of how abrasive it is. Yeah, so the easiest way to pitch it is imagine a Saturday Night Live spin-off movie about a character who was never seen before. Yes. And there's a sort of assumption that oh, you know, in Boston Johnny People love Boston You know John? his catchphrase all the time. <laughs> And it, I'm laughing just thinking about it. Boston Johnny is the greatest spokesman in the greater Boston area. And the movie is about his search for success, love and authenticity. And but he's, he's a bad man. He's a sociopath. <laughs> yeah. But the movie is on his side. Yeah, that's the thing. Of, <laughs> and it's one of those movies that just plants itself in your head and sits there. It's full of so many bizarre little details and comic flourishes. Its universe is so strange and it's so deadpan about its universe that it just gets funnier and funnier the more you think about it oh it's so good and just yeah those last four films are just like home run to, mm. you know, as far as it can go hurt you got murdered you'll watch it and be like huh that's what they decided to do with the sequel right but as it plays it gets wilder and wilder and wilder until an ending that no one who's seen it has forgotten <laughs> and i must say that is only one of the endings of hurt you got murdered <laughs> you can hear me on the commentary track of the blu-ray go wait 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 this is the film you're promising at the end of this? That's not... And they're like, shh, 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 shh. That's Justin. We don't want to spoil too much. So if you're a Moturn head, there's a lot to chew on this year. And they're already shooting their next movie, so I'm very excited for that as well. So the next one on my list, it's one that I know will not be on Will's because it is an Indian film, and it's one that I came to a little bit late. It's called Jakarthanda Double X. I'm probably getting that incorrect. It is from a filmmaker I've very much loved. He's a Tamil filmmaker, and he's kind of like the Quentin Tarantino of Indian cinema, they've called him, because he came out of the gate with a horror film called Pizza, which I played during one of my horror movie Mind Melters many years ago. And I found that like in his more mainstream ones, he's been struggling a little bit, but he had made a film about a filmmaker in 2014 called Jakarthanda. And this is kind of like not really a sequel, even though there's allusions to the first film, but more of a come of a reimagining. And the concept is, I'll say right off the bat, very convoluted, which is a guy gets framed for murder and goes to prison, is then taken out of prison and say, says, you have to murder this gangster. And the way that he decides to murder the gangster is to get close to him by convincing him to make a feature film where he gets to star and be a hero. And then from there, you get like real commentary from the beginning of how like the main the gangster is dark-skinned and he wants to be a dark-skinned hero which is not something you see in indian cinema that often unless you're talking about like superstar rajinikanth and that's actually referenced in the movie where the gangster's like oh i could be like superstar rajinikanth and so it almost has like a stephen chow-esque like we're making a movie it's silly while there's other background stuff going on and then the second part which has a wild shift in tone and it becomes about what can movies do what like what is the power that movies have in probably the most traumatic way you can go about it is it a little naive yes but to see like a mainstream movie tackle this kind of stuff is incredibly i was like shaken by the time the movie ended god this sounds great i want to see this it's on netflix all right so it's very easily accessible again it's jakarthanda double x you do not need to see the first one to get to understand this one wow it sounds really good i will also dip into indian cinema but a much better known one probably yeah 
Yeah. You know, one of the big releases of the year, Jawan with Shah Rukh Khan. Oh. L- well, listen, Shah Rukh Khan had two action films this year, didn't he? Pathan. Uh, Pathan, I also liked. Oh, wait, that did that come out? Came out in January, I think. January, okay, yeah. So, we, yeah, we can talk about that one, too. I mean... I, I preferred Jawan, to be I, honest. I think so, too. But, I mean, both very fun. Mm-hmm. And maximalist action movies. Oh. I mean, these aren't the deepest cut recommendations, I confess, but I really enjoyed them. In Jawan, he plays a... Well, it's a very complex and twisty plot where he's this prison warden who also goes undercover as a sort of Robin Hood type thief. And he has a whole team of inmates that he uses to, you know, write injustices mm. and expose corruption. And there's a twist halfway through the movie. Oh, so good. That is nuts. <laughs> if you've seen any Indian cinema, this is not a big like a surprise i've actually saw it like a cup last year in a movie where Mm. the exact same relation and the actor playing that role you'll understand if you see jawan but i think for north american viewers they're gonna be like wait what (laughs) and it rules can you imagine tom cruise doing that in a movie yeah it's great and like if you haven't if you don't know indian cinema very much like popular bollywood style indian cinema this is a good one to see yeah to get your toes Khan is like the, the top guy and when when Shah Rukh delivers a monologue about the importance of voting like I was you just <laughs> like the great dictator like cheering, right to the screen you know I was hooting and hollering I actually but I, I wrote these down but I have a few Indian films I'd just like to mention because otherwise I don't think people will check them out like Thurnavu which is a Tamil film about a guy that robs a bank and what it ends up being is to reveal giant corporations that are corrupt that's why he's robbing the bank and it's just so like yes because Tamil popular cinema is all about like corruption of the government and corruption of giant institutions and how people can get together and fight back against it including another one called Maviran which has a great gimmick which is a guy who writes a comic book about a you know very like powerful get people together superhero is kind of meek himself but when he has an accident suddenly he's hearing a voice of the narrator of a comic book which tells him about two seconds in advance everything that's going to happen so it'll be like and then he punched the villain in the face and he's like no i don't want to do that and it's about him fighting these concepts and there's some great action scenes where the voice is telling him like one second before it happens what he's going to do so he can act on that but it ends up being a film about collectivism and getting together against corrupt business or building practices of like oh we're moving all these people out of the location that they've lived their entire life into these crumbling apartment buildings just so we can get the land away from them and wait did you see leo with us no i didn't oh the remake of a history of violence oh sounds great rules starring another big indian film star that one all the movies i mentioned they're all on streaming networks not sure which ones look on letterbox look at the side on the just watch little drop down you'll be able to find them indian cinema the new ones have never been more accessible because they all show up on streaming so here are a couple of movies that are pretty well known from the festival circuit and the art house circuit that i'll maybe put in conversation with each other first aki korismaki's fallen leaves i love this movie A very simple story about two working class people in modern day Helsinki who feel a romantic spark and try to pursue it, but are continuously thwarted by factors, both internal and external. And it's a comedy. It's very funny. And much of the movie is about, you know, just the everyday indignities of life under capitalism. Like, it's done in this very deadpan style. If you've seen a Kurosaki film... Whoa, that film, director doing a deadpan yeah, film? It, no. It's it's exactly that style. Like, there's a great scene where she goes to, you know, a local coffee shop where you can rent a, a laptop to work on it. She says, uh, you know, it's $10 per half, 10 euros per half hour. And she says, seems like kind of a lot. And he's like, 
it, it's, it takes a lot to maintain. It's a very expensive computer. She said, sorry, I didn't mean to insult you. Well, well, you did insult me. <laughs> um, well, I have, I have eight euros. Can, can that be okay? I'll pay the rest later. Well, you've insulted me, but you can take it. And the, t- the clock is ticking now. Like <laughs> it's just a, a film all about, you know, like the scarcity and everyday indignity of mm. these interactions that we have. But it, it's very funny too. I saw, you know, a regular listener, a friend of the show, Doc mentioned in his letterboxd review, it's a movie about a bad world with many nice things in it, mm. which I think is a good way to summarize it. Now, the movie I'll also mention in relation to this is the Vim Vendors film Perfect Days, which is the main character played wonderfully by Koji Yakusho, who's in the he stars in Cure and Pulse, among other films. He is a sanitation man. His job is to go to all the public toilets in Tokyo and to wash them in it. Well, not all of them, but what a lot beautiful of them. public toilets. Well, I mean, as a as a Western viewer, it is incredible some of the public toilets they have over there. Mm-hmm. But he does this day in, day out. Not a glamorous job, but a job that he does. And then, you know, unlike the characters in Fallen Leaves, who, you know, are muddling through life in this system that's kind of been forced on them. We learn that this is a character who's basically opted out of wealthier circumstances, and he's doing this job to pay for what he really loves to do, which is to read books and listen to his tape collection on the weekend. Take photos? Take photos? Yep. And a lot of the movie is about the simple pleasures of simple pleasures. You know? A nice Saturday afternoon where you just read a book. Yeah, there's no big revelations in this film. There's no big twists. It's just like... You know what Vim Vendors does best? Yeah. You know, we talked about we did our Vim Vendors episode. We're like, does he have another one in him? We don't know. And, and it's he like, does. He does. It, yeah. And all he had to do was go to another country and do it in another language to be able to pull it off. It's, you know, if you like that kind of boomer dad rock that was in Kings of the Road, well, here it is again. <laughs> yeah. You know? He's got his one, uh, you know, mixtape that he keeps going back <laughs> to. I love it. I love it. So another one on my list here, and it was a huge hit in North America, much to the shock of everyone, Godzilla minus one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Stop. Yes, Shin Godzilla is better than Godzilla minus one. I know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Everyone says that when it comes out. That's that's a bit of a, I mean, yes, it is. But that's also like a bit of an, um, excuse yeah. me. Or it's like, Godzilla doesn't even fight any monsters in this. And it's like, yeah, okay. Like, I'd rather Godzilla be fighting monsters in it. You know what I really like in this film? It's a compelling enough dramatic story in a Godzilla film. Do you know how many have that? I can't even count them on one hand. I mean, it's great that between Shin Godzilla and this, look, I love the Godzilla movies. I love the template that Godzilla versus Mothra set down in the 60s. Mm. I love, you know, I love the John Fukuda style. You yeah, know? you can like them all. I love all that. But I also love that in, in Shin Godzilla and this, they've taken some just interesting creative risks with the character. Now, do I agree that maybe some of this is problematic in looking at the Japanese past with nostalgic boomer glasses? Yeah, I agree with that, of course. Yeah, I mean, maybe. But there's there's no one way to read it. I mean, uh, I, 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 found, I, look, I look, I found the movie, frankly, moving as this story about like, yeah, these people who have come out of the ashes, mm. you know, they've they've suffered a humiliating loss yeah. and they're trying to rebuild a society and they're sort of coming together out of it. I mean, like that, that, that can be moving. Yeah, it's just a criticism of it is like yeah. it, it's not actually having the Japanese reckon with the war that happened or their involvement in it. Yeah. Or the there's no U.S. presence at all, which was not not the case after World War II, where the streets yeah. were packed with U.S. troops. 
and like it's if you look at the director's filmography as well there are some nationalist films in there about sure. kamikaze pilots so you know you can read into it but when i sat there with a big grin on my face as it was playing out looking around at the packed audience i was with including kids behind me at the imax screening who were just eating it up and it's like yeah this is the Godzilla movie, perfect for this particular point in time. Well, yeah, and also, I mean, in the context of a lot of people are loving this movie who, you know, may not have seen a lot of Godzilla movies. Frankly, people who have watched just a lot of blockbusters in the last 10 years yeah. love this movie because this is a good blockbuster. It, yeah. it does it well. You know, there have been so many blockbusters that are just kind of like CGI gloop and like lots of lots of action and every every inch of the frame and it's filled it's weightless and it doesn't mean anything whereas this one that climax you got a big godzilla and you got a big plan to take him down yeah you got a fun plan you can follow and what's it's going like, on there's suspense and there's weight and it's not necessarily pummeling you with action it's giving you like just a great like sense of scale yeah would i recommend shin godzilla over this of course i would shin godzilla i kind of want to watch shin godzilla now just stop just saying it this many times that hey, would be great uh, just give me more good movies yeah i would just like this will this lead to a godzilla renaissance that will make me exhausted of the character maybe but bring it on until then while we're talking about japanese movies i mean i didn't put it on my list but hayao miyazaki's boy and the heron yes very good i, I mean, think it's very good as well it's like the only reason it's not on my list frankly is because it's not one of the best miyazaki movies mm -mm. which is an unfair yeah i mean this is a guy that when he made princess mononoke in the 90s he's like i gotta make this last one because i'm not gonna have the energy to do it anymore and then like 25 plus years later he's still trying to do it in that mode i mean the thing about it not being one of the best miyazaki movies though is it's still in like the upper percentile of movies released this year mm. it's you know full of imagination in incredible sights and if you know if you're interested in miyazaki thinking about where he is in his life and career it there's a lot to chew on a very complicated man <laughs> when you read more into him you got anything else will well david fincher's the killer yes you, you, i very much enjoyed folks david. don't need me to stump for this one but yeah i got a few on this list it's like you know oppenheimer's good yeah you know you exactly. don't need us to say that but you know i'll just say about the killer obviously a movie loaded with obvious contemporary resonance i mean you've got the killer who opens the movie at an empty WeWork office mm. and he's basically a gig worker and all that's interesting but it also does put the cart before the horse it's a good thriller yeah it and is you follow it along but the thing about like this film and the reason i'm not seeing people stump for it that much is that it's a very like following the line thriller like yeah. this is the film that like david fincher likes to make and because it's not particularly like oh wild or anything like that that's why i'm seeing it like like people aren't talking about it anymore also it was released by goddamn netflix so it it's like it doesn't exist i mean i'm happy i went to see it at the light box i thought the light box too it was great and i thought i went to see it at the light box because i thought david fincher he's a real filmmaker i'll pay him the respect of making a night of it a lot of people were like oh this, th these scenes are too dark and i was like it was fine at the light box I agree. <laughs> that's you know unfortunately the way david fincher works and the way that modern tvs are set up poorly because they're all over the place it doesn't work very well for him in that case and it's better to see it in theater which is impossible unless you are able to check it in that one week and you live in a major city and while i'm stumping for movies that don't need stumping for i'll say bo is afraid which i caught up oh, with. i love bo is afraid Harry astors i know a lot of people didn't like this movie very divisive i happen to like it a lot mm -hmm. i thought it was very funny the way some of you didn't like it you'd think you didn't have mothers <laughs> 
<laughs> well, I had a mother, so I liked it. So I have a few here that are very obvious as well. One that I scoffed that Will was going to enjoy. I really liked the holdovers when I watched it. Yeah. And you know what? I saw the holdovers... I think under the wrong circumstances mm. because I saw it like the third and a four movie festival day. And when you're seeing it at a film festival, you're surrounded by all these like European art films. And I watched this movie, which was a real straight ahead, like feel good kind mm. of movie. And I thought, yeah, you know, it's, it's okay, but Alexander Payne can do better than this. <laughs> and I wish I saw it at Christmas. Yeah. You know, I wish I saw it like Paul Giamatti's great. Yeah. Devine Joy Randolph is incredible. And I think if I, I don't know, if I just saw it at Christmas, I would have appreciated the atmosphere more appreciated the journey. Yeah. I loved all the performances, especially Paul Giamatti. It went to more audience-pleasing places than I thought it was going to, and I kind of appreciated it, especially in the way that it threw away the premise that you think the movie is going to be about to be even simpler than, like, a bunch of kids hang out with Paul Giamatti during Christmas. It's like, no, that's not what it's about. It's one kid mm -hmm. and Paul Giamatti. And then how it kind of, when you think the movie is going to be over, it just goes on a little mm -hmm. bit longer in a way that I actually enjoyed. And also, it has that, like... Alone at Christmas yes. atmosphere, which I think had I watched it closer to Christmas, I would have appreciated more. Mm. As opposed to, you know, on a hot September day in the middle of a bunch of art house films. Did you know that Paul Giamatti has a podcast? Really? Yes. It's called The Chinwag with Paul Giamatti. And it's great because he is a huge nerd, but then he interviews people like Tom Hanks, where he asked Tom Hanks, like, do you believe in Sasquatch and stuff like that? Oh. And or and you know who he interviewed twice and I couldn't believe it? Billy Bob Thornton. <laughs> and was it combative? No. Very friendly. Like, because Paul Giamatti's on a level that That's everybody right. knows him. Billy Bob Thornton respects him. Yeah. He doesn't respect Gian, Gian Gomeshi. So. And you know what? Neither do I. No, neither <laughs> do I. But I just want to say that, that, you know, celebrities doing podcasts, they're all doing it now. I don't know why. Do they do they have financial problems or something like that? But <laughs> Paul Giamatti, that's one that like him I like him explaining to Tom Hanks a plot from a Star Trek Deep Space Nine episode <laughs> is not is something that I would like dream about. Like, oh, I must have had a weird dream. I was into a Paul Giamatti podcast, but it's out there. It exists, so that's funny. Well, listen, I got one more movie, and uh, actually, sorry, two more movies. Okay, I'll I'll say one really quickly. Mia Hansen loves One Fine Morning, which I'd forgotten about. Out, frankly until this moment because it was like a 2022 festival movie mm. but it came out this year it stars Lea Seydoux as a woman who's like you know she's she's a widow she has a kid and she's going about her career and she's so focused on her father dying she hasn't had a relationship in years it's just you know straight ahead with her life and she embarks on a new affair with a married man and much of the movie is just about like muddling through life it's about like trying to find a little bit of happiness in this life that is so difficult. And I found it very moving. And also, like, the characters sometimes do bad things, but they're not bad people mm -hmm. because life is difficult. And now the last one I'm going to recommend, and I floated it on last week's episode, and Justin got very mad at me that I was going to bring this <laughs> oh, up. Oh, okay. Wait, wait. I got one more before you get okay, to this. Okay, okay. Because people may have forgotten this came out in 2023. John Wick 4. Oh, yeah. yeah. Probably the best action movie that came out this year. Love it. I think people will go back to it. And because it's the fourth in a series, I feel like it may fall back to the background. You'd be like, oh, yeah, that movie does exist. Watch it again. Those scenes are so titanic in their construction. Well, that staircase scene at yeah. the end, that kind of Laurel and Legendary, Hardy, yeah. yes. I mean, it is It is very creative what they do. Uh, <laughs> it's very creative. What they, that sounds like a parent trying to be like, <laughs> yeah, that, that, yeah that, that action movie, it's very 
creative. Interesting. Uh, sorry, I don't intend to be condescending. <laughs> All right, so what's your favorite movie of the year? My favorite with? movie of the year, yeah. Look, Dick Tracy special, Tracy zooms in. And you do a list like this, and of course, are we talking about movies? Are we talking about audiovisual media? People often get like clever when they do lists like this. They'll say something like the cell phone footage from Gaza. Yeah. You know, they'll put that on their list, which is, I agree, although although it frankly seems disrespectful to that stuff too. Yeah, we're putting it on put, the put best on, of. Put it on a movie list mm-hmm. next to Frickin' the Killer by David Fincher. <laughs> and so does this qualify as a movie? I don't know. I'm going to say yes Yeah. Uh, because I get to make the rules. Hey, it's a work by a, a auteur filmmaker. He doesn't work very often these these days and it has a couple of indelible images (laughs) it's directed by warren Beatty with somebody named chris merrill who also co-directed okay if people don't know i'll say this as quickly as i can in the year 2010 warren Beatty made a half hour tv special about dick tracy strictly so that he could keep the rights to the character and that's why there's been no dick tracy reboot or remake or anything in that franchise since 1990 we are demanding it we (laughs) want dick tracy somebody could make something with dick tracy if they had the rights and it would fail and no one would talk about it but warren Beatty has held on to the rights and he's always said oh i'm gonna make a sequel someday he's not he's 86 he's not gonna make a sequel but anyway that special from 2010 was a documentary about the history of dick tracy from the newspaper comic to the feature films and beyond wait wait wait. you say documentary about dick tracy as if it wasn't mostly leonard malton interviewing warren Beatty as dick tracy right and warren Beatty is in character as dick tracy because i guess that's the deal he has to make something every certain number of years where he plays dick tracy and he's in the the coat and he's just improvising dialogue and it's insane and for years we would laugh at this thing and think what is he doing yeah well we got an answer to that question this year with dick tracy special tracy zooms in. wait wait wait. we got an answer what is he doing yes not really we well he spelled it out he is hoarding the rights to the character yes well we knew that because he doesn't want anyone else to make a movie now this object is so fascinating so funny (laughs) because and they tried to slip it under our noses yeah it just showed up on the tcm schedule someone sent it to you and oh. i think it's your tweet went viral didn't it <laughs> that people were like whoa wait, 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 what is this well people would have found it yeah um, they would have found it eventually yeah and it is another thing to keep the rights for people who have not seen this you need to understand it starts with the host of tcm ben mankowitz He's, Go, he's watching the special and he's from, going what is this yeah and then leonard malton comes in and he's like we gotta talk to dick tracy and warren Beatty, i believe yeah so dick tracy zooms in he's summoned them together yeah. and and ben mankowitz is watching this special from 2010 he's like what is this why yeah. is he ta- is he trying to be funny that's yeah. when he says that in yeah. the first minute he says is he trying to be funny and i thought oh man this is incredible <laughs> dick Tra- this is pomegranate this is one of the greatest long form jokes of all time this is our generation's seven ups it's so good so dick tracy warren Beatty, in the hat in the coats calls in and he says i wasn't completely honest in that interview i did 11 years ago i i i want to talk about what i really think of warren Beatty. so they play a bunch of scenes from the movie dick tracy and dick tracy played by warren Beatty, is critiquing dick tracy the movie directed by warren Beatty. he's watching it he says this is really silly i don't like that like he's he doesn't take it seriously at all and then they show some scenes from the 1940s dick tracy movies and he's, he's like, like that's the good that's stuff good. look at two-fisted you know this is good but but i don't think that warren Beatty really respects me or the character and then warren Beatty zooms out <laughs> yeah and 
Warren Beatty is talking to himself as Dick Tracy. Not in a smooth fashion. No. And like images on the screen will like loop of like Leonard Maltin is in this just looking befuddled the entire time. Leonard Maltin is so funny. Now, if I could give best supporting actor right now. Now what I love is that when we interviewed Leonard Maltin, we asked him about the Dick Tracy <laughs> special. He went, oh yeah, that. And then months later, he would be in another one. <laughs> And as as this special is going on, you realize, oh, the reason why he's hoarding the rights is not because he's ever going to make a sequel. It's because he doesn't like what this character stands for. Mm. He thinks if somebody else makes a Dick Tracy, it'll be law and order stuff. He doesn't like that. He's a liberal. And he, as long as he's alive, he's not going to let them do that. I think you're missing a very important part here. He does not want something, if somehow it could happen, is better than what he did. Maybe. I think so. Maybe. I mean, Warren Beatty, a man with mm, perhaps a bit of an ego, if you will. Well, yeah, that's and that's another thing that's funny about the special, because they show Dick Tracy comments on an interview that Warren Beatty gives to Ben Mankiewicz. Yeah. They play footage. And and in the interview, Beatty is saying to Mankiewicz, like, oh, you know, I believe in collaboration. I believe in, you know, uh, listening to everybody. And Dick Tracy says, that's not true. He's a megalomaniac. <laughs> yeah. He doesn't listen to anybody. So it's funny to see him, like, acknowledge his own megalomania. But also, like, through the through the whole movie, he's he's acknowledging I was not the right man to make Dick Tracy because I don't take Dick Tracy seriously. Yeah. I don't believe in what he stands for. And I'm not going to let anyone else make it because I don't believe in what that stands for. God, I wish I could have taken Warren Beatty aside in the 90s and been like, make a movie every two years. Don't let like, these movies just hang around your neck. Now, if we could get like a Bullworth special as uh, well to keep the rights. Let's get, yeah, Reds, you know, <laughs> let's get all of them. <laughs> Town and country. That would be so funny. But so, anyway, I think it's great. I mean, we look, we could have a Dick Tracy reboot with Chris Pratt or something and it would fucking oh, suck. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, we or, got one. It was called, what was the one? Gangster Squad? Yeah, right. Yeah, it's right. Bad. Or we could have this. Yeah, this, I'd rather this. This hilarious thing that he does every 10 to 12 years. Which will probably be the last thing he ever does. Probably, but and the last shot of the two of Warbane and Dick Tracy having lunch together. Oh. If that's the last image of his career, mwah, Will that chef's fade kiss. out at like the Oscar in memoriam? <laughs> I think it was on Podcast Ride that they said that like at a Warren Beatty event, there will be footage from this that will oh, be shown. I hope so. <laughs> so I think it's I think it's brilliant. I love it. I love him. Yeah. Nothing can top that in 2024. The King. Yeah. So those are our favorite movies of 2023. If you have your favorites, don't tell us. No, we're happy for you. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, whatever. Join the Discord. Yeah, Join us discuss. on Patreon. We have a Discord. And if someone's like, how come you didn't mention this? We didn't see it. There you go. That's right. <laughs> we have your answer. Or we didn't like it. Yeah, that too. So you can send us emails at importantcinemaclubpodcast at gmail.com. And our first letter is from Jeremy. And he goes, hello, Justin and Will. I just saw that Matt Farley and Tom Scalzo released their final album today on Spotify. And it made me wonder if you've had a chance to listen. Also, I wanted to know if there were any movies that made a significant impact on your taste in music. I know that Juno got me into all the twee anti-folk guys from the early 2000s, and Inside Lewin Davis got me into slightly less twee normal folk guy music from the early 60s. Also, Local Legends has made it so that Mose Haven was my most listened 
2022 band of 2023. Thanks for the show. And if I could suggest a topic for a future episode, it'd be interested in Radu Jude. Radu Jude. I mean, good filmmaker. Bad yep. luck banging. Have you seen that? Oh, I have. It's good. Yeah. Yeah. Movies that have influenced our taste in music. I wouldn't call myself an expert in any of this stuff. Layla! <laughs> yeah. Right? All the classic Martin Scorsese jam. He introduced me to the Rolling Stones. <laughs> yeah. Maybe you've heard of them. Sympathy and there's a devil involved. But I mean, you know, watching Crumb, the documentary, made me look into a little bit of like, you know. Oh, no. Did old, you start old, old going jazz like, and blues? I'm going to collect. What's the kind of vinyl record? they? It's not even no, vinyl. No, like like Steve Buscemi and Ghost in a <laughs> yeah, yeah, Ghost World. Yeah. yeah. No? Okay. No, no. But I mean, I did listen to some of that. I do listen to some of that stuff occasionally and I like it and I can credit Crumb for that. I listen to a lot of movie musical scores. That mm. plays a lot when I listen to music. But just trying to think of like, not really, even though that like movies are probably the way that I would listen to music if I heard a song and be like, oh, Quentin Tarantino soundtracks I would listen to when yeah, they come out. that's true. Because it would be filled with stuff that I don't know and rabbit holes that you can go down. But I don't know if I had like, I did listen to the Inside Lewin Davis soundtrack when it came out, but I, I didn't do that much exploring onward. And I mean, have we listened to the final Moe's Haven album? Of course we have. Well, yeah. We've already commented on the chat that me, Will, and Peter and have. Peter have. Yeah, yeah. I like it. We're it's dissecting good. it song by song, pretty much. Yeah, it's like, oh, they should have started with this song. But this song is really good, too. Mm-hmm. If you don't know, Moe's Haven is a band that Matt Farley and Tom Scalzo had in college. And they made a promise that they would make an album in 2023 and it would be their final album. And they lived up to that promise. Mm-hmm. And they put it out on Spotify. And if people aren't listening to it, check out the Matt Farley infomercial podcast especially if you're interested in his music because when he releases a new album there'll be like a 90 minute dissection of every song where it came from inspiration it's a real kind of master class in his creative process so would recommend well thank you again very much for that letter our next letter is from Jabril and they ask hey guys a question I've been pondering for a while with no definitive answer is what makes a film literary I figured I'd pose a question to two professionals thanks literary well it's not a word I've used to describe movies boring (laughs) that's what I would call a literary film literary well I'm going to give you a very superficial answer which is that there is a lot of dialogue and it's flowery or ornate dialogue you know like would you call a Woody Allen movie literary probably uh, are you getting into kind of like oh it's intellectual or the perception of intellectual not necessarily I mean you know uh, like I bring up Woody Allen because certain of his movies like Hannah and her sisters are structured like novels Mm. you know yeah I mean literary is often used in a negative sense like oh that's too literary and Mm -hmm. it usually like you said will it's used to denote like too much talking Mm -hmm. Uh, but then like when i think literary well that's more austere like merchant ivory stuff like i mean you know a a word that i might use more is like theatrical to mm. describe like the Lawrence Olivier movies, right? Isn't that like a negative you can use? Like, Probably, uh, it's yeah. Too thea- well, theatrical, I do think like big in the way that it's presented. That's true, yeah. But then I also think of like, you know, when someone says, ah, it's too, do you use the term theatrical when something like too stage bound or static? Well, yeah, I would probably say stage bound mm-hmm. if I were describing like the Olivier Hamlet. Yeah, like Which stiff. I like, but yeah, yeah, yeah. still, you know. That's something to ponder, like maybe something kind of narratively complex is what I would associate with literary or like a lot of subtext going on that's not present emotionally right as the movie's playing and mm. something to consider as it goes now can i name one example the work of raul ruiz sure. that is definitely 
particularly literary in its construction, I would say. Sure. But other than that, blank stare from both of us. I like the Dungeons and Dragons movie this year. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like I'm failing at these questions so far. Give me one that I can hit out of the park. Oh, did we already read this one? A dumb question. Perfectly. This is exactly what you want. (laughs) Thank you. It's from James. Dear cinema purveyor and cinema pervert. (laughs) You're the pervert, right? (laughs) Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Wait, what was it? a sex efficient? No, porn aficionado. What was porn the term? Aficionado. No, it was something else. It was like porn. Meister. I'm not a pervert. I'm a normal person. <laughs> I'm not a pervert. <laughs> I'm just looking for turbo man doll. <laughs> now, was I messaging Will photos of magazines when I was in a used bookstore and be like, "Look at this, Will," and you're like, "Oh boy." Wait, do oh, I, I do I have a book that I picked up for Will about someone's career in the adult film industry? Right, I got to pay you back for that. Yeah. Okay. But he is not a pervert. I'm not a pervert. (laughs) Keep up the good work on the show. Question. Some video reviewers insert sketches and narratives into the reviews. Is this a generally bad idea or does it have merit? Now, I can't imagine you watching any of this stuff, right, Will? I mean, you're talking about like the nostalgia critic or stuff like that. Yeah, there's other big popular ones where they have kind of like, they'll do big reviews, but there is a continuity. Or like a half in the bag, that kind of thing. I'm not against it in principle. I I think it can be fun. It can be fun as long as it doesn't dominate it. And if you don't like it, don't watch it is what I would say. But like, he's probably wondering, like, is this a crotch? Mm. And I don't think it is necessarily like the half in the bag guys i think are often very like like they're good critics they're insightful they're mm. funny they're they're interesting to hear even though that sometimes in their videos it seems that someone's holding a gun off screen being like we have to do this we have so many millions of followers well that's the fate of all podcasters isn't it mm-hmm. well i very much enjoy their stuff and they don't really have too much of an ongoing narrative i'm thinking of like there's a guy recently who made a video on like plagiarism i don't know if you saw this one going around it's like two hours plus and but like he's all burnt up and wearing like a costume because you had to have watched the other two hour videos that have come before to get there but it doesn't really kind of impose on what's happening so it's like if you don't know why it doesn't really matter i'll go so far as to say that i sort of like the creativity of it yes you know i I agree that like you know there's all when people are doing reviews and stuff like that like if they want to oh i'm gonna try to do some narrative stuff for example your favorite uh, nostalgic critic yes well you know he's an interesting guy because he tried to abandon that character the nostalgia critic yeah like there was a a time i don't know 10 years ago where he was like i'm done with it i killed off the character i'm gonna do another show a show called demo reel and that show tanked and failed and everyone hated it and he was like okay i guess we'll do what was demo reel it, it it was like a sort of like fake Christopher Guest style oh, okay, mockumentary yeah. show and he was and you know like his website was a business and he had like partners and affiliates and all sorts of things and they were like you fucking idiot why didn't you tell us you were killing off the breadwinner character you got to bring him back and he was like well okay but uh, I'll do sketches in addition to the reviews because I hate myself and I want to die every time <laughs> I do this character and he's still doing it to this day well listen you got he many homes to pay I'm sure yeah. and he's got to keep trucking even though people hate him and they do three and a half hours of this is where the nostalgia critic oh, went wrong video. Imagine? I clicked on a wrong link and like that's all that YouTube is giving to me now and I'm like <laughs> no I don't care but then I'll be like but maybe I do want to know break by break of what happened to the angry video game nerd when he hired other people who did plagiarize I watched that video <laughs> <laughs> I got a little curious yeah <laughs> you know it's, it, it's it's just too detailed there's no storytelling there just like this is everything that happened but i know if you put it on the background while you're folding laundry or Mm. something yeah yeah. there's only there's so little laundry to fold though (laughs) there's another question here 
If you don't mind me asking, what impact does people using reviews as a substitute for actually watching films have? I know there are certain reviewers I watch who comment on subjects I'd never watch myself, such as Red Letter Media for American Schlock, In Praise of Shadows for weird horror movies, and this podcast for old weird pornography. We don't talk about pornography that much. (laughs) (laughs) When's the last time we talked about pornography? I don't know, but... The thing is, like, nobody's ever done it. Yeah, nobody yeah. does it. <laughs> yeah. So that we do it. Like, can I point you in the in the direction of the Rialto report where they talk about pornography exclusively? Yeah. Okay. What What do I think of people using stuff like this or videos or whatever as a substitute for watching? Yes. I don't like it. No. Well, um, it's not a substitute. But what I will say is, you don't have to watch the movies. Yeah. Like, you can say, oh, I just saw a review of that online. You didn't watch the movie. You watch a review for it online. Right. I mean, I think it's a shame. If people, well, look, I mean, life is short. There's only so many hours in the day. And maybe you're not interested in a thing, really. You're just interested in, like, what the critic has to say about it. Yeah. That's fine. Well, I mean, but, I do a podcast called No Such Thing as a Bad Movie, and people will say, like, oh, I got to watch a movie before I listen to your podcast. And I was like, no, you don't. Well, it's like, yeah, it's like I wouldn't listen to, like, Old Dogs. Or, like, like The Flop House or whatever. Yeah. Like, I wouldn't watch all those movies before yeah. listening to that. But I am conscious that I have not watched the movie if right. I've listened even two hours of someone talking about it. Right. I think there is a fear, though that like you don't want to watch the movie because like well what if my opinion is not right or i react to it in the incorrect way i feel this way by the way about mystery science theater as well because i agree with because, you because like we watched mitchell for the podcast mm-hmm. without the commentary and when you don't have tom servo talking in your ear mitchell isn't that bad so what we're saying is if you've seen it on an mst3k you haven't really watched the movie don't log it on letterboxd no you haven't watched the movie. That's right. Or you can put like MST3K And also they cut, they cut stuff. Yep. Yep. You know. Yep. I agree. Anyway, I, agree. I don't really care, but whatever. No, we don't really care. <laughs> but I, as a number one Actually, Mitchell defender. No, I do care. I care about cinema. Mm-hmm. You can enjoy that Mitchell episode. I enjoy the Mitchell episode, but you haven't seen Mitchell. No, you haven't. There's and a reason John Saxon disappears and they <laughs> cut it out. As we talk about in our episode that we did about the great star of Mitchell. That's right. So, yeah, I have I been watching more review stuff online? No, I've only been stumbling here or there into like two hour long videos of like, what is Homestuck, the web cartoon? I'm like, I've heard of it. Now explain it to me. I don't really watch that many movie review shows, though. Do you? No, not really. Yeah. I don't I don't listen to a lot of movie podcasts either. No, me neither. It's my job. Yeah. (laughs) You know, <laughs> no, the issue is no one is as good as uh, you, right, Will? That's right. I still listen to the right. Flophouse. I like it. It's a good podcast. I haven't listened in a while, but mm. I should. I should listen to it, see what they're up to. Yeah. I just need podcasts. You need to give me something I don't already know. That's the challenge that a lot of people have been doing. <laughs> I guess we're just too good. <laughs> okay. Well, that's it for letters. And if you want to email us, you can do so at important cinema club podcast at gmail.com. So we have an event coming up. We mentioned it last week. I'm mentioning it again. January 23rd at the Fox Theater in Toronto in the beautiful Beaches neighborhood in the East End. Justin and I are screening The Dragon Lives Again. The movie where Bruce Lee dies and goes to hell and teams up with Popeye to fight Dracula, The Godfather, and The Exorcist. James Bond, too. Yep. It's a great film. It's funny. It's full of action. And this will be your only chance ever probably to see it on a big screen. And you get to meet Justin and me. So come on out. Come on down. We're never going to screen The Dragon Lives Again unless a company like Severin picks us up and puts us on tour to be the next Golden Turkey guys. But (laughs) positive in that sense. And what are we doing on this week's episode of Patreon, Will? Patreon.com slash The Important Cinema Club. That is correct. We're talking about the greatest 
DVD and Blu-ray releases of the year. Mm. And so me and Will go through a dozen releases that you're going to want to check out. So make sure to become a Patreon subscriber at patreon.com slash The Important Cinema Club. Next week, we are going to be talking about the greatest shot on video movies of all time. Now, is this any shot on video movie? We're not just doing horror then, right? Uh, no. So shot on video movies, we're talking about something sort of specific here because all movies are shot on video now, mm, yeah. digital video. But in the 90s and the 80s, if a movie was shot on video, you know what it looked like. Mm. It didn't. It looked like shit. Now we're saying but video. maybe it looked beautiful. So we're not going into digital either. So, That's right. So we're not doing any mini DV stuff. It's got to be video. So we're going to be looking at the Bleeding Skull best shot on video movies list. Mm. And I mean, one movie that I know we're going to talk about is Blonde Death. Oh, love the Blonde greatest Death. shot on video movie so of all good. time. And we'll also be talking about I don't know, Suffer Little Children. Maybe I mm -hmm. mean we can. We'll yeah. talk about some of the some of the real hits. We're definitely going off the Bleeding Skull list, which is a great resource if no one has looked into it and I'm very excited to dive in so that's what we'll be doing next week and until then my name's Justin Clue I'm Will Sloan thanks for listening at the end of every year I like to thank every single patron by reading out every name of every single active patron so buckle up as I'd like to give a hearty thank you to J.P. McD, Albert Davis, Dustin Eisman, Jesse Shira, Scotty Gilmer, Emil Dirks, Zach Tennant, Daniel Acosta, Jacob, Gregory, Nate in St. Paul, Evan Furness, Ted Rowland, Michael Frollo, David Dean, John Carter, Greg Lopez Fitzgerald, Sinjin, Philip DeClue, hey, it's my brother, Joseph Torchinsky, Joe Clark, Michael Carroll, Clint Isinger, Tim Schofield, Cam, ThatShelf.com, Chris Berubay, Adam Nab, Corman's Inferno, Stuart Shepard, Matt Kluge, April, David Springfield, James Cullen, Terry McCarthy, Brandon Lim, Zachary Ainsley, Ethan Vespi, Donald Patterson, Etienne Crepeau, Graham, Jessen Fox, Jack Frayne Reed, John Paul McKenna, Nathaniel Tyson, Dom Sinicola, Chris Chan, Alex Griffith, John Semley, a hack fraud. Jordan Christenberg, William Buckingham, Michael Chow, Amy, Jacob Peterson, Johannes Schenginger, Zach H., Anders, Turka Yulun, Liam James, Guy Nelson, Stephen Vag, Derek Schultz, Danielle Benoit, Joe McGregor, Joe, Trey McKinley, Elliot Shugel, Aaron Dawson, CWW, Ed Begley Jr., Ralph, Abash Pudding, Kay Parrington, Zach Fowler, Bennett Glace, Harris Frost, Joe, Alex Laird, Ian Keyes, Emmett Crudus, Gloomy Cleric, Rick Kane, Brent Oliver, Will C, Will C indeed, Iwan Damian, Matthew Gadsby, Wolf Walden, C. Puffer, Hank Okazaki, Thomas, Jeffwood Jones, Roy Denboer, Stein Eric Rutledal, Nathan Wisnicki, William Madsley, Sean Enright, Justin Haley, Dove Sounds, cool, cool. Joe Kickass, James Waters, Sadie Carter, Josh, Joe Greenwood, Cameron Gunn, Josh LaBelle, Ali Fornius, Philip Siegel, Cody Johnson, Tim B.D.A., Guy Davidson, Ned Grade, Peter Gurn, Jeremy Keyes, James Baker, William Jones, 
Hell on Celluloid. Ian Moss, Daniel Roth, Daryl Atkinson, Nick, Greg McDonald, George Shaw, Mashed Potatoes, Adam W., John Campbell, Lexi Baby, Eric Trelinski, Apple Ventus, Imalco, Daniel Port, Jim Belushi. Now nah, I'm just saying that for Daniel Port. Nick Barzak, Rick Nett, Matthew Thomas, Chris Swaljay, Evan Laffer, Chris Gillen, Anton Person Flyglair, Sebastien Lapre, Sad Eyes, S, Side Eyes, D, Johnner, Charles F, Stephen Kielbach, Timothy Klein, Leo Nichols, K. Wash, Jakub Durasco, Tristan Wheeler, Michael Willis, Anders Bosca, Simon Barrett, Yavier Nunez, Lauren Kilgore, Vincente Perez, Harry Westergaard, Joshua Clark, Zoid Wheeler, Will Barshop, Matthew Farley. Check out Matthew Farley's music at Matt Farley on Twitter. S.J. Adams, Theodore Fox, A.J. Serrano, Party with Pizzy, Graham Paul Donovan, Anthony Juarb, Dan Dillon, Elliot Toom, Robert McDonald, Liz Ryerson, Matthew Welsh, N.R., Cole Kirkendall, Neil Fuller, Richard Chandler, Lee Henderson, Kevin Johnston, Jack Book, Luke, A.J.S. 124, Mathieu Elanger, Charles Smarr, Gregory Ellis, James Majeur, Adam, Andrew M., Lance Garrison, Brendan Murray, Alexander Warford, Alex Wilson, Daniel Reiferscheid, C.F., L. Ron Howard. Ooh, I thought it was someone else for a second. Robert Krantz, Conrad Falco, Alex Lines, Alexis Nelson, Steve Putz, Charlie, Andrew Knight, Daniel Newton, Aileen O. Daley, Eric Ward, Johnny Mockney, Nitzen Zimmerman, Ben Borchard, Cole Flowers, Hoofy Hoof, Thomas Sansot, Lisa Silver, Eric Jarvis, Patrick Kennedy, Aaron Whitley, Colin Griffiths, Annette, Sean Fuller, Jay Scully, Alexander Lee, Nate Hamlet, Louis Philip Gagnon, Michael D. Nunzio, David Annandale, Hugo Poderoso, Eric Martian, Ashley Neftune, Kyle McStay, Quinn Henderson, Michael Cherchi, Jacob Bowles, Chase East, Peter Kaplowski, Andy Warhol, John, Pete, Cameron Gunn, Chris, Jesse Ferguson, Benjamin Asprey, Michael Lane, Paul, Karis Marley, Marcus Rose, Tim Willows, Buzz Skill Squad, Kevin Barr, Oren Lehman, Charlie Roxburgh, Jamie Wright, Justin W., Buck Bloomingdale, Joe Probus, Zach Zed. Thomas, Josh Irons, Matt Haller, Patrick O'Donnell, Lobster Johnson, JT60564, Stephen Mortland, Rob Lee, Zachary Kaplan, Nestor T. Jesse, John Petrovich, Tom Golden, Rainer Kienbach, Jack Anderson, Isaac Coleman, Garrett Frazen, Peyton Cook, Ollie Drumbum, Mark R. Deming, Glenn Del Rossi, Kaylin Penny, Phoebe, Greg McGuire, The Art of B. Adam Walters, Dennis Rowland, Robbie Carroll, Bryce Jones, Derek, Dan Bowling, Alex Gillerin, Ethan David Everett, Daniel Champion, Kevin Sheets, MK, Denise Fillon, Carlos Ramirez, Daniel Hansen, Corey Morian, A. Braun, Matt Cook, Dylan Harrington, Mark Zornidge, Evan, Jack L., Kyle Bates, Connor Meehan, Cole Smith, David Bertrand, Dylan, James Long, Dr. William Rosno, One True Patron, Adam Hart, Jerko Rea, Phil Brown, Michael Van Cleve, Cleve, Shake, Jacob, Zach Osgood, Tim C, Eric, Andrew McClure, Michael Garland, Jordan Friedland, Patrick McCallahan, Lynn Olson, Rose Gunn, David T, Meow Nyan, Meow, Sarah Cleary, Kirsty, John Abelli, Eric Hilliker, Battleground Production, Andrew K. Baum, Michael Keane, Philip Drazen, Jeremy Hawkins, Don Swajma, Jordy Matheson, 
Einar, Einarsen, Jaron Cron, Jason Simon, Dan, Carl Fitz, Derek, IG, Spencer, Ioannis Macedi, Kurt Freeman, Jake Stenwalker, Farazaki, Behemoth Film, Vinicius L.S., Seth Lerjac, Jimmy R., Mark Kerwin, Teddy Buffa, Elliot Sharon, Michael Knotts, Alex Honeydew, Ryan Dorfler, Tyler P., Warble Flutter, Mila Stanisic, Preston McFarlane, Giant Gorilla, Kemble McClure, Garris Pashley, Marcus Andrews, Lars Henricks, Peter McGon, Pro Color, Jim Vance, Daniel Nichols, Stuart Anderson, Kyle McClurg, Josh Furling, Christopher Nicastro, Mark Flanagan, Hayden Beeman, Jay, Jush, The Welfare Lobby, Rob, Christopher Salt, Leap Shathland, Henry Nurg, Louie, Truman Meyer, Russi, Nico Schmidt, Daniel Lipinski, Billy, Joshua Gonzalez, Shane, Daniel Haliquist, Colin Bucky, Alex Hardesty, Scott Turnbull, Jordan, BJ Slive, Casey Moore, Jacob Vassar, Jay, Dimitri Kondagianis, John Freeman, Keenan Ashenfelter, Yeso, Declan Harzim, Theodore Hanush, Charles, Keldon Bester, Adam Robb, Christopher Morton, Andrew, Dave Wright, Daniel Jordan, Griffin Meyer, Don Picton, Lucas LaCamera, Chris H., Tristan Bass Kruger, Roman Pesarov, Luke Williams, Dario, Josia Stutton, Ethan Cartwright, Levi, Keshav Shrivasan, Zachary Warmbrot, Walker Roberts, Adam Bonfanti, Robert Brewery, Robert Beck, Benjamin J. Hendrick, Ian McNamara, Hayden Michael Cole, Runebird, Grant McAllister, Amar Desai, Lawrence Yallen, Andrew Kay, Andrew Stecker, Will Aiken, Rudar, Jan Hammer Sledge, Darius Jonash, Evan Ballard, Dahl Rimple, Randy, Mike Gallagher, Matthew Davis, Paul Caravello, Stu Watson, Justin Forlenza, Alex Walsh, Austin Alderman, AJ, Ian Stratton, Alex Sinesi, John Warner, Nathaniel Wilson, Tarek M, Ian M, Neil Mack, Giola Chumgale, Michael Starrett, Tiago Menem, Ronan Kelly, John Otto, Kirk Satoff, Christian Cree, Chase Zhu, Joshua Painter, Bornstein, Gislason, Colin Erner, Taylor Marchin, Luke Lafferty, Joe the Lion, Sauce West, Nick Fulton, T. Evan Lee, Valerie, Fiona Lemon, Jordan Sekarishia, Sam Ray, Tom Taylor Taylor, Misha Jemsek, Jocelyn Moneyron, Thomas Prieto, Ryan Morit, Flurndip, Particle Maid, Sean White, Dylan Huang, Adam Frost, Venrick, Jesse Lopez, Sapero, John Daniel, Ben Dowie, Benjamin Woodard, Colin Bucky, Bart Howe, Christopher Luke, Nick Richardson, Jameson Willow, Jack Anzul, Eric Hefter, Ryan Aurelia, Zachary Hollingsworth, Evan W., Billy Jackson, Kale Erickson, Jack Davenport, Reese Cahill, Alex, Rob S., Bexin, Sarson Bayev, Max, Alexander O'Dell, Meredith Macy, Rick Tom, Jevin Gordon, Matt H., Benjamin Watcham, Richard E., Aaron Prichitka, Elsie Lewison, John Toes, Mark Grimpo, Stephen Jennings, Racecar, 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 Daniel Lima, Akinsa, Travis S. Tash, Mickey Savage, Minnesota Turtle, Jason B., John Walsh, Regan Jones, Stephen French Jr., Matthew Smith, Brian Varney, Tyler Plunkett, Alex, Ioannis Mentrup, Lord C.O., Ali Quadir, Brorsan, Benjamin Vaughn, Lynn Minmay, Adam Mosher, Douglas Scoop, Reinhardt, Evan Gordon, Nolan Tuck, Jay-Z, Joe Bossel, Josh Tabish, John Luke Gordnier, Nicholas R. Saab Rapina, Nolan Rabin, Julian Towers, Dan Erdman, Sammy Gold, Adam Totally Wizard, Hunter Haynes, David Beerling, Eric Patrick Carroll, David Wynn, Caleb Clements, Julio, Maria Martino, John Hayes, 
Michael O'Leary, Damon Shanks, Logan Mann, Marina Satterley. Look, we're in the middle of this, and I would just like to thank everybody that's listening for their name, or they just want to feel part of a community. Thank you very much. The password is Picnic in the Park. Now you're part of the cool crowd. Oh no, I lost my place. Uh, I think it was Logan Mann, Maria Tanner Talfelski, Stephen Srother, Kenji Garland, Josh Chase, Some Guy, Jacob M. Baldy, Tyler, Matthew McGraw, Swaggy Peapaw, Jeremy Nias, Luke Welling, Tyler Thibodeau, Benoit Le Cinnabit, a Cinnabite, Alec Thomas, Lee Elliott, Leo Martin, El Brendel, Austin T. George, Robbie Vilcassis, Connor White, Jackson Blacker, Per Hasselstorm, Mason Colburn, Galley Frond, L. Hollier, Ben Hartman, Ethan Levitidis, Dan Watkins, Brennan French, Gregory Welda, Gabriel Bass, Maggie Taggart, Zach Rockwell White, Little Cozy Nostril, Branson Reese, Steve Heffernan, Ben M., James Lazarder, Seth Baldwin, Tim Hilbert, Ivan, Problem Child 2 on DVD, Alex Abbott, Randall Delosier, Chris Luciani, Zinnia Flowerbud, Ash Byron, Martin Law, Lee Calloway, Melissa, Joshua Sklar, QPLK, Matthew Andrew Knox, Bren Andrews, Kenneth Hagerman, Daniel Kane, Mia Vitali, Poor Sailor, Benji Dog, Sam Time, John, Alexander John Cunningham, Jencum Terry, Axel Steele, Echo, Tom Meager, Trey Hutchinson, Rico Isu Marku, Chambliss Ferguson, CJ. 47, Damon Smith, Mr. Possum, Gwyn Roberts, Jackson Noel, Nathan Duckworth, Quack Quack, Brooks 464, Nick V, Daniel Martinez, Chris Mauberly, Connor Willingham, Case Mount, David Katz, Oliver Neville, My Mentor, Terry McCree, Will Lusted, Alex Bernstein, Joey, Dan L, James Cole, Chris Valone, D, Intensive Purposes, this was written in all caps, Tree Mabry, Matthew Palmer, Sam Keaton, Nick Cook, Greg Egabean, Nick Petreca, Peter Brainin, Rondolfo Camacho, Rochambeau, Leaves on the Line, Maz Hava, Mark Oliver Evans, William Cross, Brian, Drew Cohn, Eris, Brando, Diaz, Marcus Pitaluga, Robert L. Newsom, Nathan Truitt, This Town is Doomed, LLC, Oleg Keratin, Crimson Gator, oh, Rob J., Larry McCarley, Seal K., George Sanders, Gabe Steller, Joran Thornton, Cameron Dover, Runar, Nick Playfair, Simon Ennis, Keenan M., Mark Blanchard, Florian Weigel, Ryan Murphy, Christoph, Steve Hefferman, Big Nick 69, Andrew Broughton, Jason Coben, Zachary, Christian Schrader, A Good Boy, Broken Flowers, 20, Cameron Dagg, CB, Joshua S. Green, Suburban Cowboy, Ben Harris, Amite Heller, Kenny Jones, Stephen Huff, T. Hodler, Tommy H., Chaz, Pofal, Zach Hurley, John Doe, Zachary P. Way, Zach Bricewaite, Carlos Cuba, Brad Simon, Jason Lewis, John Van Atta, Andy Rothwell, Evan M., Harrison Dunn, Andrew Martinez, Tyler M. Bagby, Ryan Callahan, Lou Yushuan, Noah, Jacob Skidmore, Nick, Chris M., Ariston Socrates, Grace Michael Davis, Thomas Conway, Christopher Bond, Aki, Mike Opal, CJ Fusco, Relax Sock, Jake H. Harrison, Mike Martins, William Jones, Rodrigo Alvarado, Alex Kinzel, Zach Schindler, Sam Westergaard, Logan Roberts, Gammer Sanders, Brian German, Adrian, Jeff, Jay Gill, Plesiogist, John Christian Yates, Mishak, Jackson Mello, Nathan Hornblower, Emmanuel Ordonez and Gulo. Anderson, David Hamilton Smith, Sean Hawkins, Daniel Demois, Brian Dembinski, Clayton Fletcher, 
Under the Floorboard, Robert Denby, Mooncastle, Esnack, Alma CCR, Jack Bedez, Justin Burning, J. Stephen Rosenboom, C. Luke Field, Genka, Marcus, Robert White, Sean Trainer, Joseph Hayden Cook, Some Sketch Guy, Frank Stock, Anthropophagus. I know that's an anthropophagus joke and I still had difficulty saying it. Peter Salomney, Griffin Sims, Tale of Tales, Jason Hoff, Benjamin Sakoshio, Norman Torog Jr. Wait, Norman Torog Jr.? Pedro, Alex, Stuart Ness, Lisa, Ross Burks, Sam Crosby, Sam, Sam Hackney, Fall of Capitalism, Scott R., Nikki, Fran Evers, David Petticord, Jonah Milosevic, Luke Thomas, Emily K., Jason Prince, Alana Gibson, Juan Callahan, Peter R. Hill, John McGuire, Lazy Boots, Howard Leader, Dylan Mayer, Pascal Ansel, Chris Reed Fowler, Richard Carpenter, Luster, I'm happy, and I'm normal, Giallozilla. Ben Goldberg, Sean Krush, Matt Bajek, Ryan Gowlin, Puppy Man, 8334, Matt, Sean Holcomb, Tyler Gosnell, Richard Wellens, Jay Stewart, Chris C., Foldable Lemons, Julian Jefferson, Mike Andrew Davis, Andrew Croucher, David Cahill, Damian Troar, BK, parentheses, KGH, parentheses, Sasha Kingston Wayne, Luke Olin Junk, Charlie Coffey, Michael Vignez, Max Briley, Jan Pospisil, Gustav Groot, Oliver Crane, Captain Camille, Jonathan Derer, Phil Wadcock, and Ethan Johnson. Thank you very much, everybody, for becoming patrons. We could not keep doing it without you. Well, my girlfriend held a surprise birthday party for me last week for my 35th birthday. She told me, don't plan anything for the night. I've, I, I'm doing something. I'm getting your friends involved. Now, did you have any ideas of what that could possibly be? You probably just like a normal party, right? I thought it'd be a normal party. But then the morning of my birthday, she gave me a, a cameo. She got a, a cameo message from the only Woody Allen impersonator on cameo. <laughs> <laughs> He's so bad. Awful. <laughs> Anybody listening could do a better Woody Allen impersonation. He <laughs> he, he kind of looks like well, he has the glasses. Well, he has the glasses. Yeah. Fuck. I mean, that's nothing. Yep. But he he does and this. It was two hundred dollars. <laughs> he does this long rambling thing where he talks about Mort Rifkin, and then he then he announces that there's going to be a a screening of Rifkin's festival for me with all my friends in attendance at Cinecycle, which is this great venue in Toronto. It's Cinecycle, we had Justin's bachelor party there two months ago. It's on Spadina. It's a shed just just off one of the busiest streets in Toronto, run by a man named Martin Heath, who is one of the 16 millimeter kings of Toronto. Mm -hmm. It's incredible that this place still exists and that he runs it. And yeah, we all watched Rifkin's Festival. And when this was announced to me, first I thought, that's amazing. That's an incredible bit. And then I thought boy, this could be a disaster. Because mm. <laughs> Rifkin's Festival, which is Woody Allen's, well, not his most recent movie anymore, but his last movie in English. Yes. Uh, it is, some would say, not a good film, but I, being a good man, had not seen it. So I'm right. walking in. You were in. boycotting it. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> People were trying to drag me to see Rifkin's Festival. And not just because you didn't want to watch a movie that was bad. <laughs> no, no. No, I was boycotting for moral reasons. But great about the screening we sit down we start to watch it we can't get the movie to start off the blu-ray oh my god it's stuck in the menu the thing about martin heath and cinecycle god love cinecycle if you want to project a 16 millimeter movie great if you want to play a dvd 
Not as easy. Yeah, bring a Blu-ray player with a control a controller that worked. Don't worry, I got in there and I figured it out. Yeah, yeah, we we got it. But uh, like it would loop and the music would loop and the audience started to be like, yeah. <laughs> when it would start. And then the cheering just continued through the movie, which was probably the perfect Rifkin's Festival screening. Oh, man. It was like the Rocky Horror Picture Show. We, we, But we were loving this movie. <laughs> like, we were laughing. Like, because as it played, we realized it's a perfect MST3K film. Just large sections of nothing. Of just characters <laughs> walking through frame. Wallace Shawn in this movie. I mean, it's all about Wallace Shawn as this old film professor. With Sex Lothario, who will not stop having sex with his wife, Gina Gershon. Yeah, Gina Gershon's there, but Gina Gershon is a movie publicist at this film festival who is attracted to this hotshot young filmmaker played by Louis Garrel. Now imagine in your head a love triangle between Wallace Shawn, Louis Garrel, and Gina Gershon. Louis Garrel, who acts like someone is holding a gun to his head off screen. One of the laziest performances I've ever seen. And then, uh, so that's happening, and Wallace Shawn has a bit of a crush on this doctor in town. This movie has some of Woody Allen's laziest writing. And Wallace Shawn, who we all love, everyone loves Wallace Wallace Shawn, miscast. Yes. (laughs) Or like actually... A bit unfair. Like Woody Allen should have given the script another re- rewrite. Yeah. To uh, explain why he looks like Wallace Shawn. But like, it's about Wallace Shawn being like, oh, if I could only get this one book off the ground, finally write my first novel. You're 80 years old, Wallace. <laughs> like, just write it. So the whole movie just has this like slightly Lynchian quality. It's just off. Mm-hmm. And yeah, hugely fun. Oh, we laughed and laughed and laughed throughout. You didn't even mention the, I mean, everyone listening to this, you're all Rifkin's festivals heads you've seen it all the incredibly lame recreations of like godard movies and yeah rifkin is dreaming himself into like the european art house classics that he loved growing up and you realize how limited woody allen's frame of references there are three different bergman homages and it's like and one claude lelouch uh, claude lelouch a man and a woman that's a terrific film (laughs) (laughs) this was the perfect rifkin's festival screening and i will never watch it again (laughs) Let it just hold an amber in my mind. So, really, the audience makes the movie, right, Will? What if we had just sat in silence throughout the film, though? Uh, That would have been brutal. (laughs) 